Hey everyone, welcome to episode 43 of the Defend Your Ground podcast. Uh, this is Ben Burr, Executive Director of Blue Ribbon Coalition. I'm here with Simone Griffin, Policy Director of Blue Ribbon Coalition. And we're here on episode 43. Uh, we have a lot going on up in Idaho. Uh, this has been going on for the last few months. We've talked a lot about the travel plans going on in southwestern Idaho and the Owyhee region. We want to just make sure everybody's up to speed on what's going on with that process. There's currently a plan out that they're taking public comment until February 12th. Mm-hmm. February 12th is the last day to submit comments. And so we'll, we want to just give everybody an update on this one. It's an important one. Between the five travel plans they're dealing with here, we're probably looking at five, 6,000 miles of trail, maybe more. Um, I mean, I know some of them had like 1,300. Oh, like total. Yeah, this I one's mean, got like 1,100 miles in this specific one that we're going to talk about today. But yeah, overall, it's, you know, thousands of miles of routes. And we've been involved. And so the first one they did was Canyonlands East, mm-hmm. and that was last summer. And um, remind everybody what happened with that one. Simone. So they actually chose the best alternative, which... How often have you seen them actually choose the best alternative? Uh, it's not the. It's usually not what they do. Yeah. Uh, they, like, so they definitely. I think it was the first time I've seen that even that the BLM has chosen like the recreational friendly alternative. So they chose alternative D in this case, which was a big win. Yeah, and they they ended up. I mean, we had worked with some groups up there. We had sent them lists of roads and trails that the user groups were using, and the BLM basically. It wasn't just alternative D. I think they did alternative D and opened some trails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it a little bit. Based on the feedback that the public gave, which kind of shows that if you are giving good informed comments to a responsive office, they'll take that into account and open things. Um, they did end up still closing a handful of trails, which is always, it is a frustrating part of this process um, that they feel like they're hard coded, that they have to close something. Uh, we did reach out to the groups up there. We were offering to appeal the decision and we said, hey, if there are any trails that you guys um, are using on a regular basis that are valuable to you and that are closed, even in this good version of this plan, we'll still appeal it. And when we were meeting with those groups, they said, well, we do have a concern over in this other area in Canyonlands West, but there aren't any trails in Canyonlands East that we're aware of. And, and to be fair, I mean, it's a big area. It's rugged to get into. There might be some good trails that got closed, but we just had no direct knowledge of any of those. Yeah. So we decided not to appeal that one. We let that one go into effect. Um, we think that's helpful that we want the, the BLM office up there is being a good partner. And so without the really hard concerns of very specific trails that we were concerned about, we decided not to appeal that one. And so that is the plan now. And, um, Everyone in the off-road community should see it as a win that we engaged on that. And um, we influenced that decision. We influenced them to keep open, you know, lots of miles of routes that they otherwise, I mean, they could have chose a different alternative and closed yeah. way more routes. So and I would it say is that collective we, because I mean, at Blue Ribbon Coalition, I mean, we knew we kind of have our way of looking at these things and we would have advocated for things to be open. But I was really impressed with the groups that showed up on this one. Yeah. There, there was a lot of, um, local clubs that came and participated, and I was glad to see the BLM respond and take their feedback into consideration because that encourages people to want to be 
use the process productively in that way. It's frustrating when you have a decision like Moab where we did the same thing. We gave them lots of really helpful feedback and they just chose to ignore it. Uh, but it, it, so it goes to show, I mean, it doesn't always work one way or the other. It really is varies from office to office and state to state. So that's Canyon Lens East. That was the first one. Mm-hmm. These did come out and then they're like done in six months. Usually yeah, we see these. Yeah, it was a pretty fast process for all of them so far. I mean, we usually see these take a few years. Um, and so then Canyon Lens West came out, Simone. And why don't mm-hmm. we help people understand what that area is? I mean, it's basically Canyon Lens East is everything south of like Mountain Home, Idaho. It's almost kind of right, almost in the middle of the state. And then you, the rest of this travel planet just kind of goes west from Further that west. one. And yeah. so Canyon Lens West went, was just directly west of the mm-hmm. Canyon Lens East plan. This is in the Owyhees part of Idaho, southwestern Lots Idaho. Lots of canyons. Yeah. So, so how many miles of trail in the west plan? Do you remember? I mean, it was... I want to say 13, 1400. Yeah, was, they've all been between like 1,000 and 1,500. So probably closer to about 1,500 miles of routes. Uh, I mean, but the a pretty similar situation with Canyonlands West. They The BLM, they chose the best alternative again, um, which we really appreciate. You know, we've had really good groups working with us too that have given us good information, have given us specific routes. Um, and they've engaged on the process too. And the BLM, um, they've been really good to work with us and, you know, answer questions when we've had it. And so it just goes to show that when groups and people really do engage, it, it can, it, it can change the outcome. I mean, I think we got the better outcome because we've had enough, you know, a significant amount of recreation people submit comments on these. Yeah. And, but with Canyonlands West, there was one issue we did find in the final plan. We, I, we did the same thing with the groups. We said, Hey, did they get this right? And the groups looked at it and they said, actually, there's one route. There was one route that is like an access route, especially if you there. So they have one route there that's called diff hanger. Uh, they, and the gauntlet, they're both pretty technical rock crawling routes. And so the off-roaders who have built rigs really like to go out there and test their rigs on these trails. But if everyone who's done intense rock crawling knows sometimes things break down on the trail, it's kind of part of the fun of it is having things go wrong and try to figure it out and fix it. And so this trail that goes into the, is an access road into these um, rock crawling trails. And it's where you'd come in if you needed a recovery vehicle um, this would mean the recovery vehicle could get in there quick and pull you out. So they'd have to dr- pull you out through the entire technical trail. Yeah. And so that would be very problematic. Yeah. And so this is like a safety concern and the BLM did say they really do support keeping these, the technical trails open. And so we're trying to just help them come up with a plan that lets them accomplish that management goal, which they stated they wanted to do. And, so that so we ended up filing an administrative appeal on that decision um, just because of that one route. And one thing we learned from that is um, everyone commenting. I mean, that lots of people commented and said, "Hey, we want to leave this um, gauntlet Diffhanger Trail system open." And but the BLM sometimes will look at a specific route and everyone that rides it kind of calls that route one thing in their head, but the BLM looks at that as like three different numbered routes in their system. 
Yeah, they don't necessarily use the same names that and everybody else uses. They Usually the general public has nicknames for these routes in the BLM. Yeah, and so you need names. to, when you're looking at these plans, something we'd ask you with your help from BRC is if there's a trail that's really important to you, let's all, at this point, we, we've we learned we need to like double check and make sure we're including all the individual route numbers. And this is something we tend to do by default, but you still, it gets so convoluted, things slip through the cracks if we don't have a lot of eyeballs on this issue. And so as travel plans come out, we do want you to help us make sure, especially with an office like this one, where if we give them good feedback, they'll leave the stuff open. And we did appeal the plan, but we we're encouraged that the BLM's already reached out to us. We've had meetings. We've gone and met with them to talk about just our concerns with this trail that got closed. And yeah, they want to work with us on this and and make things right if they can. Um, one thing I would say too, when you are looking at these plans and these routes, um, don't be discouraged about the fact if you, if you don't know the official name, like the official route number. I mean, GPS coordinates too. Most people have GPS coordinates that you can include. Um, so if you don't have the official number and don't know how to find it, yeah, just give whatever GPS coordinates, the best information that you can to the BLM. And so the office is working with us. We think there's a good path to get a good outcome here, uh, where this wouldn't turn into some sort of an aggressive legal action where we're concerned broadly about the outcome of this plan. Um, but we, did, we talk about it just so that people understand. All, like, I want people to see what BRC does because, I mean, we definitely are in some high-profile legal challenges, challenging plans like these. And But a lot of the time the work is just this. It's that we're monitoring the whole process and finding every – I mean, we really do fight for every inch of our existing routes. Um, and, and, it, and I think that in this case the BLM appreciates how it's being done and they're being cooperative partners and in that – if that's the situation that the process can actually work quite well. Yeah. They actually appreciate the information that we're giving them and they're, they're not trying to work against us. They're really trying to use that information. So that's why it's important for us and people who know the area to give what information they have and use their knowledge of the area. Right. And so that's what the status is of Canyonlands West. We just finished a comment period. Just finished birds of prey. Um, so I'm guessing we're going to get a decision released on that in the next few months. They'll tell us, you know, which alternative that they have selected. Um, so we're still kind of in a waiting game for birds of prey. And then, so that's one of those where I think what the people call it's different than the BLM. I mean, what were some of the areas or the routes? Wasn't there like fossil butte or something? Yeah. So it's fossil butte area. Um, there's uh, there's craters in the area. I mean, so that's kind of what it's known for is people yeah. going to see the craters. So I do worry there's a lot of nicknames used by the general public that the BLM doesn't use. Yeah, and that one had a smaller number of trails, like mm-hmm. 500 or something. Yeah, because you've got the like conservation area, and so it is a smaller footprint of trails and routes that people use in that one. Yeah, so that comment period ended, and we did get good engagement on it. I mean, yeah. Um, we know the communities were fired up about it. Idaho is showing up. And I think that the office is still looking at these as open-minded. And as long as there's a purpose and need for the routes, they'll keep them open. Yeah, we'll the state you know of Idaho has been good to work with on this as well. They've been engaged and, you know, helping share information with us as well. And so that one's 
now kind of out of that process. And but there's another one going on right now to February 12th. It's mm-hmm. called Silver City. You've looked at this plan. I haven't spent yeah. a lot of time with this one yet. Why don't you tell people where this is, what this is? Yeah. So Silver City. I mean, we're we're moving west, and it's got 1,100 miles of routes. Um, the thing with this one, I mean, and we see it with all of them too, is it's 1,100 miles of documented routes. But there are other user-created routes that the BLM calls them a user-created route mm-hmm. um, that they don't recognize. And because they don't recognize them, then in these alternatives, they don't propose to keep them open or closed because they just act like they, not, they don't exist. Um, so alternative D, which is the recreation alternative, it's proposing to close about 27 miles of routes total, um, which obviously we hate to see any route closures. Um, there are some that it looks like, you know, that's maybe an overlook or, or whatnot. There's some that I've looked at that the route, I, I can't find it. I really think that some of them just don't exist. And so mm-hmm. that's why they're proposed for closure because they, they're not they there. Do, I can't find them. The they ground, do not but... exist. Yeah. So the majority of these 27 miles, they really don't exist. Um, something that... I'm concerned with in this one though, as I've learned more about the area, I do think um, it's more popular than the BLM is recognizing. And so there's a lot of user created routes. I mean, as I've even just gone on like Google earth and looked through the area, you can see a lot of trails that the BLM isn't recognizing. Um, And so that's something that I would encourage people to put into their comments that hey, the BLM should recognize this route. I mean, what's the process? Like why, at what point did they say this is a user-created route and this is a Yeah, I mean, I think they would say if they had it documented pre-FLIPMA, like 1976, theoretically, that's how they should be looking at it. Um, User-created routes. I wouldn't be surprised if some of these, though, I mean, people do have proof that they've been using them from the 1970s. So yeah, I'd bring that up if you know about that. So this is an area I looked at the map quickly. It was, does it go up to the Oregon border? Um, I think so. I think it goes all the way over. Okay. So there's like the, the furthest West segment in the state of Idaho in that mm-hmm. Southwestern corner. And so this is still the Owyhees. Yeah. Um, probably who are the users that are coming here? You said that it's more popular than. Yeah. I, I, There's some single track routes that I'm finding. Um, So I think it's pretty popular with single track users. That's probably one of the bigger user groups. Okay. Um, Is there like dispersed camping? There's dispersed camping. Um, I'm guessing there's hunting. I I don't know how popular it is for e-bikes. In this plan, though, they are saying that e-bikes are going to be considered basically as a motorcycle and they can't go on non-motorized routes, which there's only like one mile of non-motorized routes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like, okay, e-bikes are missing out on a lot of trails, but my concern is, okay, e-bikes, maybe they need to be building some more routes for e-bikes because there's not a lot of options. If they're just going on, you know, single track routes, mm-hmm. that might not be the best option. And so that's something else that, um, I will be making a comment on on behalf of BRC that the BLM should be analyzing adding additional e-bike routes. It's a growing user group. Um, 
They kind of want their own experiences. I mean, a lot of times yeah. the agency will say um, that they can just use the OHV trails. And in some cases, that's fine. In some cases, that's not that fun <laughs> to e-bike on an OHV trail. Yeah. And so they, it would be nice if they'd meet that user group where they are instead of just assume you know what they want and that they'd be happy with using a trail that was built to maintain it a grazing fence. Yeah. It's not as fun to bike along as something that follows the contour of the mountain more and goes to scenic viewpoints and whatnot. Um, So they have till February 12th. We have a comment and an action alert. And on this Mm -hmm. action alert, you can go look at the maps. We want you to do that. We want you to look at what trails are in this area that could potentially be closed. And then the other thing we want you to be aware of in this area, as soon as you cross that border over in Oregon, few months ago we were we released an action alert on the what's the Hawaii wilderness Wilderness act okay so there's a proposal in the state of Oregon to turn the Hawaii's area on the Oregon side of that border into a wilderness doesn't it come over into Idaho too I don't know because I think Idaho kind of had a lot of wilderness created in this area during 2009 on the omnibus lands bill and so my thought was that this was still con- mostly contained within Oregon. And so we generally oppose wilderness bills because wilderness is one of the ways that they're achieving this 30 by 30 agenda. Keeping you out of the public land. It really space. restricts all forms of motorized access and a lot of other access as well. And so if you're somebody who is in part of this Western Idaho, Eastern Oregon, Owyhee region, and that's an area you like to recreate, um, usually you don't want BRC working on an area where you are. You want to just have things (laughs) in place. It means there's things changing and we need to be engaged. We need to be involved. And so if that's an area that you recreate in, it's on your bucket list. We invite you to submit a comment, our form you can do it in two minutes. Yeah. Uh, well, and even if you think too that, okay, well, I don't go into I or into Oregon to recreate, so they can designate this wilderness area. It's not going to affect me. I mean, it still does. They try to create these buffer zones, and they then they try to expand wilderness. I mean, we see wilderness expansions and buffer zones and national monument expansions. And so, if you don't want it to affect where you like to recreate, then you need to oppose this because it will just start trickling over to where you where you do recreate yeah and so so we'll have two links in the show one where you can oppose this uh Oahe wilderness bill and another one where you can add your comment on the silver city plan and there's one more coming out i think it's i'd have we'd have to ask williams our our resident idahoan um and i think it's grangeville or grantsville or somewhere in this area still that also yeah. is very popular and it's going to have a travel plan that comes out in the coming weeks. And so we'll let you know when that comes out. We'll have an action alert. And let's stick up for Idaho. I know there's been a lot going on in Utah these last few weeks. And so there's been a lot of focus there. But we are national. We really do focus on issues yeah. everywhere where we find them. And right now, Idaho needs the help of the off-road community. I mean, and people come from all over. I mean, because people will go to the river they'll access the river through mm-hmm. in this travel management plan too and so people come to access the river so even the river people who sometimes disagree with us need to be supporting us on this yeah that's how they get the motorized access to the rivers which is believe it or not important um 
All right. Well, that wraps up episode 43. We wanted this one to be a quick one and remind people about this alert and to get help, get on the computer and help out our friends in Idaho. And we'll be back next week with more updates for you.